take thou authority to preach the gospel. Indeed, I look upon all the world as my parish. Maya Angelou once said, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Welcome to a special edition of our Field Preacher podcast, where unlike the interview format, what we wanted to do is get a bunch of church planters in a room and give them a microphone and seven minutes to tell us a story directly from the field, a story that would make us laugh, cry, or everything in between. So we hope that you enjoy this first special episode of Stories from the Field. So there's this night that um, my wife calls me and uh, uh, was letting me know that, that our daughter was going to, one of our daughters was going to go to a sleepover party that night that I hadn't known about previously. And then the two older kids, who are my stepkids, were off of their biological dad's house. And here's the thing, when you're a parent of four kids, I started to do the math real quick, <laughs> right? Because you start with four and then two are gone, now one. And then, I fi- then the only thing that's left to do is to figure out how do I get rid of the fourth, <laughs> right? Like, don't judge me. If you have four kids, you know this is real. Um, and so I did what any wonderful parent would do. I called up my mother, and I, and I you know, chit-chatted, asked her questions about her day, and then I said, you know, Thomas was just talking about how it's been so long since he had a, a sleepover at Grandma's house, and... Um, he would, he would, he would love, lo- you know, love, love to do that. We should schedule that again sometime. And then she went, oh, well, does he have any plans tonight? And I said, you know, I, I don't think he does. <laughs> um, <laughs> and suddenly that last holdout was gone. And my wife and I had a night without the children. And so immediately we start scheming dates. We're trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, like, we didn't want to do just a typical dinner and a movie thing. And, um... I'm about to say a lot of very white things. Uh, This is not a story where Mike Bachman comes across looking great. Um, uh, Because because I started saying, and here's the first really white thing that I'm going to say today, I said, you know, um, I saw a TED talk about this thing called spoken word. Um, uh And, uh, (laughs) yeah, all the face rubbing right now is totally appropriate. And... uh, And so I get on the interwebs and I find like, oh, there's a spoken word night happening tonight at a club um, in Southside on Lamar at a place called Brooklyn's. What if we go there? And uh, and my wife says, sure, okay. She's just thrilled that we're doing a night out somewhere. And um, so I tell her the time, the location. We're coming from different places. We would just meet there. And I I park my car and I uh, go across the street and walk up to Brooklyn's and, and then I step inside. And it's a packed house. More than 100 people in a relatively small bar. And I am definitely the only white person in the building. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I am. And And I have this moment where I'm just frozen. And I'm not proud of my instincts in that moment. But that's when I started to think, oh, oh, this is different than I thought. And um, I start to come up with some sort of excuse to, to change the plans, <laughs> um, to check in with my wife and maybe come up with a different idea. Um, 
And as I start to, to leave and, and go out the door, I, I have this moment of remembering the number of times that my friends of color walk into white spaces with me all the damn time. And who am I now to turn around and retreat? And so I pause again in the threshold, and I'm sure that everyone around me knows exactly what's been going on in my head. And so I start to step back in, and then I stop. And, I, and this is where, like, though, white progressive liberal sensibilities start to protect my own privilege, right? And I start to think, well, maybe I'm an intruder in the space. And this is a safe space, and I shouldn't go into here. And uh, I start to like build an excuse and another narrative for myself on why, no, no, actually it's okay to leave right now. And um, so I start to turn around to leave again. And, and right at that moment, I hear for the first time the voice of a man um, named Michael Gwynn. And Michael Gwynn um, just uh, says very um, directly and clearly to me, he said, excuse me, are you a poet? And I look around, assuming he's talking to someone else, and, and he said, no, no, you, I, I see you've got an iPad with you, because I brought, I knew I'd be early, I thought I would you know, read my book on there, and, uh, and, and he said, I, I, I thought maybe you're, you're one of the poets that were going to sign up tonight. And, uh, and I said, no, no, I was, no, I was just, I'm, no, I'm not a poet, I was... <laughs> I was real cool, um, <laughs> is what I'm saying. And, um, and I said, no, no, I was just, um, I'm here waiting for my wife. Because who would I be to walk out on hospitality that acted like I didn't just belong, but that my voice might be valuable? And so I walked in, and the only open table was all the way on the other room, uh, side of the room. And so I walked my way across this very um, crowded bar, and every head just kind of watched me go across. And I sat down, and I pulled out my phone, and I sent a text to my wife. And I said, hey, I'm at Brooklyn's. I'm on the far side of the room. Shouldn't be too hard to find. Click <laughs> send. <laughs> About 10 minutes or so later, uh, my wife uh, comes and uh, she sits down. And, and I said, well, you find it okay? And she's like, yeah. I, I stepped in and someone said, I think your party's over there. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> very kindly pointed me in your direction. And... Uh, <laughs> And that night, Michael Gwynn emceed, um, and he performed spoken word, and my eyes and my heart and my ears um, were open to things I never knew I could. Um, that those hairs that stand up on the back of your neck started to like stand up in my ear somehow, and um, my soul caught on fire. And that ended up being the beginning of a friendship to this day with Michael Gwynn, who has come and performed on our stage at Union, who has started an organization called Spoken Language Arts Movement for high school kids um, so that they could express themselves through spoken word on our stage. And I found a way to express myself. 
where I found that in my moments of um, greatest health, when I'm most at home and comfortable, spoken word just flows from me. And also in my times of greatest emotional um, struggling and figuring things out, spoken word is the only way I can get it out. Because Michael Gwynn saw someone out of place and pretended like I belonged. And I'll always be grateful for that. Field Preachers Podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.